Ezra chapter 10. Now, while Ezra prayed and made confession, weeping and casting himself down before God's house, there was gathered to him out of Israel a very great assembly of men and women and children. For the people wept very bitterly. Shechaniah the son of Jehiel, one of the sons of Elam, answered Ezra, We have trespassed against our God. We have married foreign women of the peoples of the land. Yet now there is hope for Israel concerning this thing. Let's make a covenant with our God to put away all the wives and those who are born of them according to the counsel of my Lord and of those who tremble at the commandment of our God. Let it be done according to the law. Arise, for the matter belongs to you and we are with you. Be courageous and do it. Then Ezra arose and made the chiefs of the priests, the Levites and all Israel to swear that they would do according to this word, so they swore. Then Ezra rose up before God's house and went into the room of Jehonanan, the son of Eliashib. When he came there, he ate no bread nor drank water, for he mourned because of the trespass of those of the captivity. They made a proclamation throughout Judah and Jerusalem to all the children of the captivity that they should gather themselves together to Jerusalem. And whoever didn't come within three days, according to the counsel of the princes and the elders, all his possessions should be forfeited and himself separated from the assembly of the captivity. Then all the men of Judah and Benjamin gathered themselves together to Jerusalem within the three days. It was the ninth month on the twelfth day of the month, and all the people sat in the wide place in front of God's house, trembling because of this matter and because of the great rain. Ezra the priest stood up and said to them, You have trespassed and have married foreign women to increase the guilt on Israel. Now therefore make confession to Yahweh the God of your fathers and do his pleasure and separate yourselves from the peoples of the land and from the foreign women. Then all the assembly answered with a loud voice, We must do as you have said concerning us. But the people are many and it is a time of much rain and we are not able to stand outside. This is not a work of one day or two for we have greatly transgressed in this matter. Now let our princes be appointed for all the assembly and let all those who are in our cities who have married foreign women come at appointed times, and with them the elders of every city and its judges, until the fierce wrath of our God is turned from us, until this matter is resolved. Only Jonathan the son of Azahel and Josiah the son of Tikvah stood against this, and Meshullam and Shabbatai the Levite helped them. The children of the captivity did so. Ezra the priest with certain heads of fathers' houses after their fathers' houses, and all of them by their names were set apart, and they sat down in the first day of the tenth month to examine the matter. They finished with all the men who had married foreign women by the first day of the first month. Among the sons of the priests here were found who had married foreign women. Of the sons of Joshua, the son of Josabak, and his brothers, Messiah, Eliezer, Jarab, and Gedaliah. They gave their hand that they would put away their wives, and being guilty, they offered a ram of the flock for their guilt. Of the sons of Emir, Hanani and Zebediah. Of the sons of Harim, Messiah, Elijah, Shemaiah, Jehiel and Uzziah. Of the sons of Peshua, Elioenai, Messiah, Ishmael, Nethanel, Josabad and Elasa. Of the Levites, Josabad and Shimi, Keliah, also called Kalita, Pethahiah, Judah and Eleazar. Of the singers, Eliashib. Of the gatekeepers, Shalom and Telem and Uri. Of Israel, of the sons of Parosh, Ramiah, Isaiah, Makijah, 
Mijamin, Eliezer, Malkijah, and Benaiah, of the sons of Elam, Mataniah, Zechariah, and Jehiel, and Abdi, and Jeremoth, and Elijah, of the sons of Zatu, Eloani, Eliashib, Mataniah, and Jeremoth, and Zabad, and Azizah, of the sons of Babai, Jehonanan, Hananiah, Zabai, Athlai, of the sons of Bani, Meshalem, Maluk, and Adiah, Jashub, and Sheal, Jeremoth, of the sons of Pahath, Moab, Adnah, Chelal, Beniah, Maasiah, Mataniah, Bezalel, Binuai, and Manasseh, of the sons of Harim, Eliezer, Ishhijah, Malkijah, Shemaiah, Shimeon, Benjamin, Maluk, and Shemariah, of the sons of Hashum, Mataniah, Madatah, Zabad, Eliphelet, Jeremiah, Manasseh, Shimi, of the sons of Bani, Maadai, Amram, Uel, Beniah, Bediah, Chaluhi, Veniah, Meramoth, Eliashib, Mataniah, Matani, Jaasu, Bani, Binuai, Shimi, Shelemiah, and Nathan, and Adiah, Machnadabai, Shashai, Sherai, Azrael, Shelemiah, Sheremiah, Shalom, Amariah, Joseph, of the sons of Nebo, Jael, Mattathiah, Zabad, Zebani, Edo, and Joel, Beniah. All of these had taken foreign wives, and some of them had wives by whom they had children. So that there is the end of the chapter and the end of the book. Now it kind of seems like it stopped in the middle of nowhere, because it just listed all these people that had taken foreign wives. You know, they kind of came out, it was raining, um, you know, Ezra had called them all, they came out into the rain, and they basically agreed, look, we've got to sort this out, it's going to be a big job, <laughs> which it, it's sorting out family matters is a big job. And so they agreed to disperse and do it over a period of time, and they did. And then the chapter lists all the people that had, you know, taken foreign wives. And then it just stops. Now, why? Why would it just stop? Because, you know, in, a modern, in modern times, we finish, like to finish off books nicely by saying something like, and so... All the people put away their foreign wives and lived happily ever after. You know, we'd say something like that. Well, the reason it just stops right there is it's actually the middle of the book. The next book we're going to get to in the Bible, Nehemiah, tomorrow will be Nehemiah chapter 1. That's the second half of the same scroll. So we, you know, we look back on this, you know, Bible experts, they look at this and they say, you know, Ezra wrote the book of Ezra and Nehemiah wrote the book of Nehemiah. Technically somebody compiled it all together. So somebody, which we don't know, got the writings of Ezra and got the writings of Nehemiah and some other things and put it all together in one book, which was one scroll with Ezra and Nehemiah. It's only in hindsight we've split it into two. And um, when we get to Nehemiah, we're going to discover that there are some parts we know for sure he wrote and some parts which it seems like someone else has written. So that's probably the person who compiled all this information together to make the one book. And so that's why it seems to just suddenly stop. It's because it's in the middle of the book. <laughs> so it makes sense now. So what's happened here is, is we've actually got revival going on, even though the, the chapter is all about these men who are putting away their foreign wives. It seems like a strange way to, a strange thing to describe as revival, but it's revival. Here we've got all these men, they've come back from the exile into the land and taken women that they shouldn't have. Some of them even had some children. But this was against the law 
And so now they're actually repenting. They're, this isn't just something they're being forced to do. This is something they're doing with conviction of heart, realizing we've done the wrong thing and they're fixing it. This is a revival. And uh, even though the Bible doesn't label it with such a term, a revival is really when the things of the Lord start mattering to people so much that they change their lives. And usually it doesn't happen just to individuals, but happens to culture, to society, to a whole church. That's revival. And um, there's a book you can get called Lectures on Revival by Charles Finney. It's an old book, like at least 200 years old. And he gave this series of lectures um, in Rochester, New York, one a week. And they were all about revival. You know, the first lecture is, what is a revival? You might think that's boring, but when I read that lecture, I was so gripped by what a revival was. You know, back then they thought that revival was just this thing that came along like a storm. You know, like you're either going to get one or you're not, you know, depending on the weather. But he said, no, a revival is not a miracle. It's not something that just supernaturally happens. It's not something that just blows along like a storm. A revival is something you can choose to have if you, if you put the right conditions in place. And so then he has another lecture on how to have a revival. And um, that was such an interesting lecture. And, and he said, revival will come about when there is repentance. Not repentance that's casual. Like in a lot of churches, you know, there's liturgies and... Even in our church, we pray and we say, Lord, I repent of all my sins. We say the words we repent, but repenting is actually changing. And what they're doing here in Ezra chapter 10 is they're actually changing. They're moved in their heart, but they're not just saying, Lord, I repent. They're actually saying, let us put this matter right. It bothered them enough that they fixed it. That's repentance. That's a change of heart, doing something about the problem. And so Charles Finney, he says, you know, a detailed repentance is called for. When people are bothered by their sin, bothered by their life, that's a sign you're going to have a revival. And so um, I encourage you to get a copy of um, Charles Finney's lectures on revival and read those two chapters. I think the first lecture, what is a revival? And the third lecture, how to have a revival. Let your heart be moved. We need to see these types of things happen in our churches and in our country and in our times where not just individuals are touched. You know, we've all been touched at times as individuals by the word of the Lord. We've changed some things. But we need to see this burden come upon us where our churches are touched, our culture and society is touched. And so we need to start a process of looking at ourselves, considering what the word of the Lord has to say and applying it. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the book of Ezra. I thank you, Lord, for the miracle of King Cyrus the prophecy in Isaiah where he decreed the rebuilding of the temple. I thank you that the foundation was laid. 25 years later, Haggai prophesied. They got back in the building. Even later, Ezra came and they finished the building. Lord, I want to thank you, Lord, for this whole book about the building of the temple. I thank you, Lord, that's us. We are the temple of the Lord. I thank you for all there is that we've learned in this book about that. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that you would cause our hearts to be so strongly focused on Christ. And now at the end, Lord, we see that there's revival in this book. Lord, let there be revival in our lives and in our churches, I pray. That grace be imparted to us in the name of Jesus. Amen.